Welcome to our last Chi Alpha service of the 2021-22 school year. I think God has done some incredible things this year. I pray that God has moved in your life. I pray that you've gotten closer to him. Maybe you've started your relationship with Jesus for the first time this year. I pray that you developed a real devotional life. You started being disciplined to have time with the Lord. I pray that you've read the Bible, maybe for the first time. I pray that you've learned to pray and to seek Jesus through having a prayer life. I pray that you've met some lifelong friends and you've developed real community. I pray that you've been vulnerable and real, possibly for the first time with people. I hope that you've met people that will be in your wedding someday, that will stand next to you on your important days, people that have challenged you and loved you in ways unlike ever before. I pray that you've developed real responsibility, that you've learned that life is too short to sit on the bench, that Jesus called us to make disciples who make disciples as we learn from Matthew 28. I pray that you've taken up the call to find, feed, and fight for the lost lambs of God on our campus. And now you're here. It's the end of the school year. We made it. This has been the best year of Chi Alpha yet as we've grown unlike ever before. We have more small group leaders than ever before and we'll have a lot more next year. Our worship culture has grown tremendously as you've stepped out and sought God through time and worship. Countless of you walked onto this campus this fall with no idea what God was going to do for you. I want you to think back to your life before coming to Chi Alpha, before coming to Jesus. I hope that you feel more connected to God now. I hope you see that God has called you to do some great things. I hope you know that I believe in you and I love you dearly. I'm so thankful for you all. It's been a joy to be able to serve as your pastor this year. And I cannot wait to keep being your pastor for years to come. All this to say, I would say God's pretty cool, right? This year's been pretty cool. And I'm filled with gratitude that we've got to do it all together. I do want to go back to 2015, though. This is the year that I started my freshman year at college at North Central University in Minneapolis. Shortly into my college career, I came down to a Chi Alpha Fall Retreat in Iowa, and my life was turned upside down. I met my wife, Taylor. I started to understand the real Jesus, and God placed a burden on my heart for college students. That Fall Retreat was the first time I sensed a call to Chi Alpha. And because of this call, I started navigating. Is God asking me to move from Minnesota to you and I? I felt pretty confident in this call to jump down to you and I and pursue Chi Alpha, but I wasn't sure. See, I was leaving pastor's college to become a pastor. It didn't make mathematical sense to my brain. And I told part of that story a few weeks ago. But there's one thing I left out because I wanted to intentionally share it tonight. So at my university, we had a chapel service, so kind of like a service like this, but it was every day. And as I was wrestling with whether or not to transfer to you and I, I came to a chapel service where the sermon was on Nehemiah. See, Nehemiah was a member of God's chosen people. He was one of the Israelites. And as we learned last week, God's people were exiled from their homeland after being conquered by the Babylonians. Nehemiah was born into this exile. He was born away from his homeland. However, Nehemiah had heard stories of this homeland, right? Like the myths of past. He had heard about this home city of Jerusalem. This city was so special to God's people. It was a place of hope. See, originally, this city, it had walls around it to protect it. But the walls had been destroyed. And Nehemiah learns that these walls came down and the city was in ruin. And this troubled him. See, his people, their center for hope was really in this city. And this city was in ruin. Meaning, this people's center for their lives and really their relationship with God was destroyed. And then Nehemiah gets an idea. He feels a call from the Lord. He says, no one's rebuilding it. So if no one else will, why not I? He feels a burden from the Lord, and he says, if no one else will go, I will. 
We read this in Nehemiah 2.17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And when I was at North Central University at this chapel service and I heard this story of a man being willing to move, uproot his life, just to rebuild the walls, that related to me that God was saying, Derek, I need you to go to you and I, and I want you to get ready to build. At this time, our Chi Alpha had just restarted. Chi Alpha started back in 2010, and it got to around 50 students. The lead pastor moved away, and our Chi Alpha dropped to around 10 students. Then my older brother, who's actually here today, let's give him a round of applause. That's fun. My older brother serves as our lead pastor of our church. But anyways, Pastor Daniel moved back here in 2015 to restart Chi Alpha. He got a good group of students involved, but there was still a lot of work to be done. This group kind of grew back to 50, but there's a vision to see the whole campus come to know Jesus. So in that moment, as this Chi Alpha was being reborn, I felt God saying, will you count the cost? Will you be part of this group that's going to build the kingdom at UNI? Because Jesus loves Panthers. And I felt God was asking me, will you love Panthers too? And sitting there in this chapel service, we had a response time at the end. Most time, to be honest, at the end of this chapel service, I bolted because it was lunchtime. And the first person in line got the most nugs. But <laughs> I stayed kneeled and cried out to the Lord. And I felt like I accepted that call that I will build the walls. And I'm so glad I did. I had no idea at the time of that chapel service that I would one day lead Kai Alpha, you and I. See, I thought my brother was going to stay and do it for a long time. So I thought, there's no chance I'm going to do that. This is just for a short season. I thought it was a short assignment, not a long-term call. And I'm very glad I'm wrong. Taylor and I love it here. This has become our home. And last year, my first year of directing Chi Alpha, I felt like God downloaded a vision for us for the future. I see, I feel like God said, I want to use your Chi Alpha not just to change the campus, but to change the world. I felt like God said, will Chi Alpha, you and I, change the Chi Alpha culture around the Midwest? I felt God say, I'm asking your Chi Alpha to build 30 Chi Alphas in the next 30 years. We think God wants to not only plant Chi Alphas, but we feel God wants to send overseas missionaries to unreached people groups from this group. We think God wants to raise up church planters from this group because God loves Panthers, but he also loves everyone else. And we think God's about more than just this campus. See, God has given us a vision of not just a campus changing Chi Alpha, but a world changing Chi Alpha. So I was left with a vision and a question. I said, okay, God, I'm all in, but where do I start? And I felt like he pointed me back to where I felt the first call to you and I, to the book of Nehemiah. We spent this past month working through the Old Testament, looking at some specific characters and how we can learn from their lives and start to live a life worth emulating. And as we end this year with our Vision Tuesday, I wanted to explore one final character to find vision for our future. So as we said, Nehemiah had a burden for God's people and for God's home city. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. This being the king of Persia, Persia took over for Babylon, but we're not going to get into that right now. But he was a cupbearer to the king. So he was a foreigner who got to serve a king. And this cupbearer position was an important position. It was their job to make sure the king wasn't poisoned, which is an important thing, right? And so that meant they had a relationship. And there was one time when he was coming to do this service to the king, and he felt this burden inside of him for his home. And the king knew Nehemiah, so he knew when he was acting off. And he's like, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? And Nehemiah was faced with a decision in that moment. Does he act like nothing's wrong, or does he shoot a shot and see if he can change the king's mind? Because acting sad in front of the king could be punishable by death in that time. So it's kind of a risky decision to say, yes, I am sad. Can I leave you? See, asking to go back home and rebuild the conquered land could have been known as treason. He's faced with an opportunity, though. 
Nehemiah is an opportunity to act. But in acting, he would risk losing it all. Nehemiah 2 says this. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King A, I'm not going to even try, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king, I being Nehemiah. Now I had been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not, not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruin and his gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what are you requesting? This is when he has his moment. So what does he do? So he prays to the God of heaven. And he says to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and how long when, or when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I'd given him a time. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for all these students that are leaving us, God, and for the investment they've made into our, in our campus, God. And I pray that as they go out, they'll be sent on mission, God. We love you so much. Amen. So Nehemiah asks the king to go back to his home and rebuild it. He has a plan. He has a vision of what's to come next. And when he's asked, what's your plan? He doesn't go, like, uh, I don't know. I'll figure it out later. No, he has a vision. Specifically, he has a vision to build. When Pastor Daniel moved back to Cedar Falls to restart Kyle in 2015, he could have came in timidly. He could have went slow and steady and said, I don't want to rock the boat. We'll just maintain this group and we'll try to love them and see what happens. But instead, he came in with a vision, a vision to build the kingdom of God at UNI and to see Chi Alpha grow. He didn't want to just keep on keeping on, but he wanted to build something new and beautiful. And because of that vision of something bigger than what's in front of us, we're all here right now. When Nehemiah comes to the king, he doesn't come and say, I just want to go home. He doesn't say, I just want to maintain the status quo. No, he's willing to rock the boat because he has a vision to do something fresh. And I think God is asking us to have a vision to build. Wherever we're going next, we are called not just to maintain things, not to just keep trucking along. No, you are called to build. God is asking you to do something new wherever you go. So if you're leaving Chi Alpha, don't let Chi Alpha stay in Cedar Falls. And don't even let it just stay inside of you. But build it wherever you go. Build community. Tell people about the love of Jesus. Make disciples who make disciples. Pour your life out for people. Die to self. Help other people grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. God is not asking you when you're going to your next season to just fit in and smoothly sail. No, he wants you to build. Just like Nehemiah, you're to go and make a difference wherever you go. Do not sit on the sidelines. Don't stick to what's comfortable. Make friends. Leave your house. Leave your house. Talk to people about Jesus. As we go throughout life, the temptation to just go up the flow is strong, right? However, God has so much more for us. He wants us to do damage for the kingdom of God. He wants our lives to count. See, Jesus wants our lives to count for something greater than our personal comfort. He wants our lives to count for something greater than our bank accounts and our families. He wants you to do something that outlives you. And for the future of Chi Alpha, God is asking us to build. God is asking us to keep pouring our lives out for students who don't know Jesus. I absolutely love this group. I love you all very much. However, I'll be honest, I don't want it to just be us. I want us to love people enough and love Jesus enough to bring Jesus to people wherever we go. So as we look to this next fall, the vision I have from the Lord, I feel like is that he wants us to really reach people who are truly lost. A lot of times, if I'm honest, people who come into the Chi Alpha world, they kind of grew up in church but the relationship with him has kind of gotten stagnant or non-existent. And the culture of Chi Alpha and being just 
intersecting with Jesus helps them grow and fall in love with Jesus and put a fire inside of them. That's many of your stories. That was my story. And I love that. I love seeing people who grow up in church have a fire for God. However, I don't think God wants us to stop there. I think God has a heart for people who do not grow up in the church, right? I think God doesn't just want to reach people who already know him and help them have a better relationship with him. No, I think God wants to reach people who don't know him at all. Jesus tells three parables in Luke 15. All three of them are about lost things. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. We talk about the lost sons at the very first service that Rachel talked about it, so stay tuned. You'll get that later. But the basic idea of these stories is if we have, let's say, 100 sheep, and one of them runs away, we're going to leave the 99 to go find that one and bring it back into the fold. This is what we're called to do on campus. We're called to go to the one who's running from Jesus who did not grow up in church, the international student who has never been to church before, to go to the student whose parents hated the church and is trying to find hope for the world, the cultural outcast that feel like they would never fit in a church environment, God is asking us to bring Jesus to them, to truly lost students. God is looking at us and saying, will you run after people that are different from you? Will we get uncomfortable to reach people that might spit in our face when we bring up Jesus and say, I love you no matter what? Will we leave the 99 to go after the one? As we look to this next school year, obviously I want Chi Alpha to be a home for church kids. We want to activate Christians who feel spiritually dead and need a fire. But I do not want to stop there. I want to be a hospital for the sick. Jesus said he did not come for the righteous but for sinners. He came to heal those who actually need a physician. So we need to have a heart for students who are truly very far from Jesus. Students whose lifestyles might make us uncomfortable. God doesn't really after our comfort. He's after his lost children. So this summer, what I'm challenging you with is if you're, no matter what, but specifically if you're coming back here, I challenge you to pray for God to burden your heart for people that it's not burdened for right now. Ask the Heavenly Father, will you help me have my heart broken for students on our campus who don't know you? This isn't just a challenge to you, but this is me looking in the mirror saying, Derek, I need to do the same thing. My challenge for myself this summer is to get a heart broken for people who do not have hope on our campus, and I challenge you to join me in that. So Nehemiah is given the green light from the king, and he lets him go back and build. One thing to note, though, is like I said earlier, Nehemiah, he did have a plan when he went to the king. Strategic thinking, planning, they're all very good things. It pleased the king that Nehemiah had a plan, so shout out to the planners of the room. But Nehemiah gives the king his plan, and then he goes on his way to get to the city. He scouts out the project, and he starts to work. And as he's working, he faces opposition so much so that at one point in time, they have to like have one hand having a hammer building and the other one with a sword ready to stab people if they come in. So don't build and have a sword. That's probably not the application of this message. But they keep going in the face of opposition. But a very seemingly small thing happens while they're working on the wall, but it's actually really important. In Nehemiah 5, it says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, Nehemiah is appointed to be their governor. And this sets Nehemiah on a path to leadership for the rest of his life. He leads the people. He rebukes them. He encourages them. He challenges them. He loves them. He keeps them focused. He defends them. Nehemiah is called to lead, and we need to have a vision to lead. Going back to my brother leading Chi Alpha, he gets this vision while he's building Chi Alpha to keep building. He spent five years leading our Chi Alpha to grow and reach students. But then back in 2019... He feels the Lord calling him to plant Sent Church, which is our local church. But then, well, what's going to happen with Chi Alpha? So the initial plan was for my brother to plant the church and to lead Chi Alpha for a couple years to help me grow up a little bit, which probably would have been good. But 
So I didn't have to take the full responsibility, like a slow transition. That seems practical. And that's all great until Daniel and I go to Tampa Bay, Florida for a church planting conference. And at this conference, Daniel gets a call from someone who's like a state leader for Iowa. And he tells Daniel they decided that I'm taking over Chi Alpha now. And he's going to focus on the church because that's what they thought was best for everyone. So in one phone call, which was kind of awkward because I was like next to him, like I probably shouldn't be listening to this right now, but here we go, I'm in charge. In one awkward phone call, it was decided. I'm 23 and we're going to rock and roll. I was a little nervous, to be honest. I had recently just graduated from college and God was asking me to lead a whole organization. Whatever God thinks is best. And I love doing this, but it did take me to have to step up and lead. And Nehemiah is in a similar boat. He doesn't just sit by and wait for other people to step up. No, he's called to lead. He steps into his calling. Nehemiah doesn't let his life pass him by. No, he gets up and makes a difference. And God is calling you to be a leader wherever you go. If you're going to a marketplace job, lead, even if you're the new person. Be the person who makes friends with people in your work environment. Be a leader and present Jesus to people. What I do not want from us is if we graduate and get into the workforce, that we just spend our days at a computer never talking to someone. No, you are sent to be a missionary to the marketplace. You're not just there to get a paycheck. You're there to advance the kingdom of God with or without the title of pastor. That's not what God is after. He's after missionaries to the marketplace. So if you are sent out to go work, present Jesus to your workplace. Step up. Lead in your local church when you leave. Be in a small group. Volunteer to lead a small group. Serve on a weekly basis. Be the most generous member of your church. As you leave Chi Alpha, lead from whatever position you're in. And a side note, you can help lead something here back at home with Chi Alpha with our alumni. Something we discussed at the upper class tonight, for those of you that were there, is we need to raise up a generation of alumni, Chi Alpha alumni, who financially support Chi Alpha. We need to have alumni who will financially support this mission, and I think God is calling this generation to lead the charge on this. So remember this vision we cast at the upper class tonight, for those of you that are leaving, is every alumni gives something for life. So that's $5 a month or $500 a month. Commit now to supporting the mission of God here at UNI for your entire life. We need you if we're going to continue doing what God is asking of us on campus. Also, if you're one of the graduates who's stepping into our CMIT internship program, get ready to lead. God has placed a calling over your life, and he's going to challenge you. He's going to grow you and use you beyond your wildest dreams. Can I have all of our next year CMITs please stand up? Our CMIT is our career missionary in training. It's our internship program. And let's give a round of applause to these. You can sit down. These people are accepting the call to dedicate their lives to you guys and to this campus. They're there for you. They have to raise their own salaries or work a lot of hours, but they're going to kick back the gates of hell on our campus. For the rest of you that are staying here next fall, you're also called to lead. For some of you, this might be leading your first small group. You made the commitment to disciple other students, and I'm so excited to watch you step into leadership. For a lot of you, though, you might not be a small group leader next year, and you might think, okay, I don't have the title of small group leader, which means I don't have to lead. That is an incorrect statement. You are just as much a leader with or without a title. A leader is not defined by someone who has the title of leadership, but rather the definition of leader is someone who steps up and leads other people. You can do this no matter what your role is next fall. This looks like a couple things. For those who will be back next fall, I want you to be on mission 
to reach students for Jesus. I want you at Welcome Week events, connecting with freshmen and transfer students, to connect them to God, connect them to the Christian community. I want you to all to commit, whether you're a small group leader or not, to be at the Chick-fil-A party where we'll meet a ton of new students and connect them into this Chi Alpha family and ultimately connect them to Jesus. I want every one of you who's back here next fall making connections, putting yourself out there, having awkward conversations with new students and loving them because we love people enough to lead the way with or without a title. We love people enough to find, feed, and fight for them. We love people enough to fight for them and to get them into our community. If you're here and no matter what your title is, no matter if you completed LTC or not, you're a Chi Alpha leader starting right now. This means you're on mission when students come next fall. I want you to be missional in your classes next year. Invite people into your life. Invite people to meet Jesus. So speaking of Welcome Week, we have this big event. You may have heard of it. If not, that's okay. It's a Chick-fil-A party where we buy Chick-fil-A for every student who wants to come as a way to serve new students and be nice to them and also just to talk to them, get to know them, invite them to Chi Alpha. But Chick-fil-A sandwiches do cost money. And we get no discount for that. Everyone is like, oh, how much discount do they give you? I said, nothing. <laughs> we pay for a full price. In order to pay for it, what I do is throughout the summer, I go to family, friends, and local churches to help donate to Chi Alpha. But I have a dream, though. I have a dream where we pay for all this party with our students. That you will accept the call to lead through your generosity. That you'll care enough about future students to donate your hard-earned money over the summer to this cause. Here's my challenge to every student in this room who calls Chi Alpha home. This is your first time. You don't have to take this challenge. You can, you can tune out for a couple seconds. But for those of you who have been around Chi Alpha and called home, I challenge you to donate at least $100 before you leave this summer. Because if you all do that, that'll help cover a lot of Welcome Week. If all of us donate at least $100, we'll be close to cover the Chick-fil-A party. We could pay for the whole thing, actually, with this group that's in here right now, if you each gave $100. So I'm asking you to sacrifice. Yes, I'm asking you to sacrifice $100 because you care about future freshmen. It's not going to go to my bank account. It's not like Taylor and I get to go on an extra vacation for that. <laughs> it goes to reaching new students for the gospel. And I'm challenging you this to do it before you leave because it's be easy to forget, Right? to get into the swing of summer and forget about this challenge and to not participate, not because of a lack of resources, but because of a lack of memory. I'm assuming a lot of you will be working all summer enough to make, the, make up the $100 I'm challenging you to give this week. So you might be a little tight for a week, but this summer you'll make it back. So I'm challenging you to all go to northerniowaxa.com give and to click give to Northern Iowa XA, the student giving tab, and to give at least $100 before you leave for the summer. If we actually do this, this will make a huge difference in the next fall. And the reason I ask you this is not because I'm after your money, because if I need to do what I've done every other summer and go ask people for the money, I'll do it. It's, I've done it before, I can do it again. The reason I want our students to pay for this is because I want your hearts. And the gospel is pretty clear that where your money is, your heart is. I want you on mission. I want your hearts to follow your bank account, which is what happens by us literally buying in so that our hearts will buy in. I want us all to have skin in the game for reaching new students. So I challenge each of us to give at least $100 for Welcome Week and then come back next fall with a vision to build and a vision to lead. Amen? Come on. Nehemiah doesn't start there, though. He takes over a leader, and then he gets the job done. He rebuilds the wall, and the city starts to be rebuilt. It's absolutely beautiful. They met their goal. And then Nehemiah gathers the people to celebrate this dedication. It's described in chapter 12. I'm going to kind of jump around to a few verses. 
starting in 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, with singing cymbals, harps, and lyres. Go to 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up unto the wall and appointed two great choirs and gave thanks. And they, gave, or, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. I want the joy of Chi Alpha to be heard far away. See, the job was complete. And now it was time to celebrate. Imagine, these people had spent so much time dreaming and praying for their homeland to be rebuilt. And the job was done. And they wanted to glorify God. I imagine people weeping with joy, jumping all around. They had resisted opposition. They had completed their task. And they gathered two choirs and they sing. Nehemiah gives them a vision to sing. They are instructed to sing and be filled with joy because of all that God has done. They are to celebrate the goodness of God, and they're to sing. And we have the same call. We are called to sing and to be full of joy. So no matter what this year has looked like, no matter what your future holds, I pray that we will be a people that is full of joy. I pray that we will sing no matter what's going on in our lives. I pray as I look to the future of Chi Alpha that we will be defined as people who are full of joy. That we will not be people who let our external circumstance dictate our internal happiness, but instead we let our external God dictate our internal happiness. And we say, God is here so I can be full of joy no matter what's going on around me. I want to be known as the most joyful people on campus. Charles Swindle says in his book, Hand Me Another Brick, which is all about the story of Nehemiah, he says that when the people are singing on the walls, what this actually, the application is, is happiness is not dependent on outward circumstances, but upon inward focus. That's my prayer, that no matter what life throws at you, that you'll be full of joy. That you'll choose to celebrate the good things instead of dwelling on the negatives. Life is full of negativity, right? There's a lot of reasons to complain. Life can stink at times. I get it. You guys have probably had some really hard years. You're getting ready to go into finals. Maybe life isn't where you want it right now. But dwelling on the negative things of life doesn't actually get us anywhere. So my prayer is that when people leave Chi Alpha, we'll be defined as people of joy because that is a witness of the goodness of Jesus. Although our words are important, although us talking about the things of Jesus is important, what will really be a witness to your surroundings is the way your life is lived. If you live a life of grumpiness, and then say, Jesus has set me free. I am thankful for him. That might not work very well. But if you have a smile on your face and the joy of God in your heart, and no matter what's happening around you, you say, it's okay because I serve King Jesus, that will be a witness as we are sent out to our various places. We can choose happiness. We can choose joy no matter what because we have hope. See, hope is on the horizon as we learned at the very beginning of this school year. And that hope is in the name of Jesus. And as we find hope in Jesus, a foundation is laid in our lives. This foundation of Jesus will help us pursue real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. As we pursue those things, we will be laid on the foundation of God and our lives will be in pursuit to him. If we do that, if we pursue those three things and rely on the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, we can sing no matter what life throws at us because we understand that we don't have to do it on our own. I want you to understand that God is not asking you to fight your own battles. God is not asking you to do this life on your own, in your own strength, grit your teeth and bear it. No, he's saying rely on me, the helper or the Holy Spirit to help you get through life. That way, no matter what season we're in, we can have joy. The world around us is trying to deceive us, right? 
The world around us is trying to attack us and steal our joy. The devil, the flesh, and the world are at war against us, and they're using lies to get into our head to try to get us to fall into deceptive ideas that play into disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. But see, we are to resist these enemies of our soul. We are to resist them and choose Jesus. And as we fight back against the world, it won't be easy. Sparks might fly. I don't know if you picked up what I'm doing yet. I've used every sermon series in the whole year, but we're not done yet. I felt really good about it. No one was grinning at me, so I felt kind of stupid. It's all right. That's what I get for trying to be cheesy. So life won't always be easy when we choose to rely on Jesus. That's not what God promises. But what Jesus does promise us is that we don't have to rely on ourselves because we can learn to pray, to pray like Jesus. Or pray like this, I think is what it was called. I screwed it up last time, so I'll keep going. And prayer will fill us with joy. And as we pray, as we seek God and live a real devotional life, as we are people of prayer, we will begin to live a life worth emulating. I didn't want clapping. I was hoping tears would just come down from the beauty of God. If you've learned anything this year, Chi Alpha, I pray that you've learned that Jesus loves you so much and that you're not on your own. That you have a Chi Alpha family that loves you dearly. And you have a God that not only wants to be your savior and your king, but he also wants to be your heavenly father that loves you no matter how many mistakes you make. What God has accomplished in our Chi Alpha world this year is nothing short of remarkable. What God has done through Chi Alpha, what God has done specifically through you, because Chi Alpha is just all of you, it's not an organization, it's this family in here. What God has done through you gives us plenty of reasons to jump up on a wall and celebrate. God has built his kingdom in this group and in our lives. Looking back to August, it's crazy what God has done these past few months, right? And he's so not close to being done yet because the best is yet to come the best is yet to come even if this is your last Chi Alpha service God has done so much in you and he wants to do even more through you Jesus wants to use you in your next season I know it can be sad to leave this community it can be scary right maybe you've been in this community for four, five, six years and you don't know if you can do it on your own but I want you to know that life is so much bigger than college. I love college. I think it's the coolest time. That's why I'm never leaving. But God is sending you on a journey of life after college. God's going to ask you to be a parent, to be a spouse, to be a working marketplace citizen. He wants you to live life. And my prayer is that when you look back to your time on college, graduating seniors, I pray that you're filled with joy as you think of Chi Alpha. I pray that also, though, that you'll remember that God has called you to live a life of real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. That God has asked you to spend extravagant time with him. If you've gotten anything, I pray that it is John 15, 4, that if you abide in Jesus, he will abide in you. And then, and only then, will you bear fruit. But you cannot do it on your own, but you must abide in the vine of God. And I also pray that you'll remember that God has asked you to make disciples who make disciples. But I ask not only that you remember that, but that you actually do it. I pray that you make disciples of your children, of the people in your workplace, 
I pray that you will not let what God did in your life in Chi Alpha stay in Chi Alpha, but rather you'll take Chi Alpha with you wherever you go. And then we'll truly change the world because you are all being sent out to the world. And then we can change it one by one. And for those of you that are staying around, you better get ready because God's about to do something crazy. See, the lights just flickered. That was the Holy Spirit saying, I'm about to show up next year. The group of you that's returning next year, you have such a fire, you have such a calling over your life. I truly believe that this group of students is the group of students that God is going to use to usher a revival to our campus. See, I think that this fall is the time that we've been praying for. For years and years, people have labored in prayer over this campus, and I think this fall is the time where we're going to see God explode in a radical way on our campus. I think He can do it. But the way it'll happen is if we prioritize the presence of God this summer, we need to spend radical time with Jesus this summer, and we need to pray. In our own strength, we can't do it. With nice lights, nice preaching, nice music, that's not going to bring revival. But the power of the Holy Spirit because we have a group of students who are committed to prayer, that will bring revival. I just was talking to a pastor this, this morning who was a part of a Chi Alpha in North Dakota that experienced revival. And he said, Derek, I look back to the first group of students I led small group, and I'm really shocked they're still following Jesus. He said, well, you know what? Me and those other small group leaders, we did pray a lot. He said, we weren't special, we weren't superstars, but we prayed. And their Chi Alpha exploded to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students. And that's what we want, right? The way we're going to get it is through prayer. Or maybe, just maybe you're here and you don't follow Jesus at all. Maybe this is your first time and you're really confused. The sermon series thing didn't work for you at all. That's okay, I get it. If that's you, I think God also has a vision for your life. See, the reason we do all this, the reason we put on all these things and come every week is because we serve a God who loves us dearly. You are the one that God loved. And Jesus loved us so much and saw that we were broken on our own, right? We're all full of sin. We've all made mistakes. But Jesus Christ, which is the God of the universe, loved us so much that he said that will not do. And so Jesus came and lived a perfect life so that we didn't have to. And then Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And so if you're here and you feel like this religious environment's kind of weird for you and you feel dirty or you feel like your sins or your shame is piling up, I want you to know that is not from God, but God has wiped your sin white as snow if you let him be Lord of your life. And I think there's people in here who this might be their first time in Chi Alpha and it might be weird, like why am I trying a new thing at the very end of the year or coming back for the second or third time and haven't been jumped in, but God is saying there's no better time than now to get jumping in. One of my favorite students in the world came last year in the first or the last week of the year, Miss Bella Fleming. God has turned her life upside down this year. Amen, Bella? Amen. And I'm glad you came that last service. So if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, I think Jesus wants to change that tonight. See, I have a vision. As I prayed this week over this sermon and over these next year, I just couldn't help but picture this auditorium full of people worshiping Jesus. I couldn't help but picture this auditorium full of people on their knees crying out to God, not just filling a room. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to fill a room of Jesus followers who love him dearly. And this vision seems impossible, right? But it's not. Do we think God can do it? I think God can do it. If God has done it before, he can do it again. If we will spend radical time with Jesus, and we will pray like it's nobody's business, God's going to fill this room.
We're not waiting on God for revival to break out. We're not waiting on God for this room to be filled up. God is waiting on us to say we're ready. So no matter what your next season of life is, you are sent. You are sent to your hometown, to your new workplace. Maybe you're sent back here to reach new students. We are all sent on mission because the main idea tonight is we are sent with a vision. A vision from God to make disciples who make disciples and live lives of real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. A vision of God to build, to lead, to sing, to be like Nehemiah and count the cost and we'll see revival come. Kaiofa, we can do this. We can change the world. We just need to lean into the vision of Jesus and make disciples wherever we go. We can see your family, your friends, your hometowns change this summer because you go home on mission to bring Jesus to your community. We can see this room filled up with college students worshiping King Jesus because we're willing to accept the call of God to make disciples who make disciples, who live lives of real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. And then we'll change the world together. Please stand. I want to give us two ways to respond tonight. If you're here and it resonated with you when I said maybe you're here and you don't follow Jesus and you want a vision of something in your life and you want God to permeate your life and you want hope, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus because sometimes our faith needs external actions. What I'm going to ask you to do is everyone will close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand as a sign to Jesus that you're all in with him, that you want to call him king and call him Lord. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, maybe for the first time or maybe returning back to him, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for all you've done this year and thank you for what you're going to continue to do. In your name, amen. Amen and amen. All right, the final way we're going to respond together is we're going to worship together one more time. We're going to sing this song that's kind of been an anthem for us this year about how we serve the same God of the Bible today. In Acts chapter 2, the world is turned upside down and thousands of people come to know Jesus. What I want is to pray for that God to show up here next fall. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I pray that what you did in Acts 2 is going to happen here. God, we pray for revival to break out. God, you were the same God then that you are now. Jesus, if you did it then, you can do it now. God, I pray that we will raise up a group of students who have a vision for their lives to live a life that counts. We love you so much.